If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum professionals, academics and researchers, as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Whether you've been working with new families for decades or are brand new to postpartum care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia Jones. Hello and welcome to the Newborn Mothers Podcast. And today we are interviewing one of our uh, collective graduates, Naomi. Naomi um, does meal delivery and some uh, in-home postpartum support in Sydney. And I'll let her tell you a little bit more about what she does. But why I wanted to invite her on the show is because I'm really interested in exploring different ways to be a doula. Because a lot of people say, well, I don't do this or I can't do that or I want to do such and such you know, but that's not really being a doula. Um, And I kind of want to let you know that there are lots of different ways of being a doula, Um, you know, and your way of being a doula is going to be different than than someone else's. And Naomi's got a really beautiful example of a meal delivery um, service with a bit of doula work, you know, conventional doula work on the side as well. Um, And I'd love to hear your story, Naomi. So do you want to tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, So, yes, I have a business called Cocoon and there's kind of two sides to it. So I'm based in Sydney and I deliver nourishing food to new mums every week. Um, It's food that is based on traditional ingredients and dishes that have been used for, you know, hundreds, probably thousands of years to help new mums get back on their feet and support their milk supply and all of those good things. Um, the other side of the business is I bring the food and then I stay. So I'm there for a couple of hours doing the more, like you said, traditional postpartum doula work where I might be giving a massage. I might be doing some laundry. I might just be listening to mama talk about her birth. I might be holding the baby while she sleeps, all of those kind of things. So I've kind of got two options. It's food or it's food and in-home support. I love it. Um, do you want to tell us before you did this, what did you do and, and maybe what motivated you to change careers and come into this work? Sure. That's a big question. So <laughs> I was a journalist for um, over 10 years. I started my career working at Murray Claire magazine and I was a features writer, editor, deputy editor. I worked at um, as the wellness editor at Marie Claire. I worked at Cosmo where I got my head, head around body literacy and sex and periods and got totally comfortable talking about all that. Um, I went to LA for four years and was doing all sorts of work over there for US and Australian publications, including meeting lots of um, famous people and interviewing them. And I worked at Women's Health for a year and then I had my baby. So um, really that's what got me into this work. I think I was that typical first time mum. I was very focused on building a beautiful nursery and having all the right things and I had my Pinterest board going and I knew that I needed to have good support which is why we moved back from LA to Sydney to be with near my family. But I really didn't understand just what a fundamental shift in my identity um, motherhood was going to be and just how bloody hard early motherhood is. Um, I just kind of felt like I'd be all over it. Like I'd been around babies before and I would, I'd just be fine. I'd just go with it. I was, I was a capable woman. I coped with things. I 
liked being in control. I liked having a plan. And of course, I ended up with a baby who really didn't want to have a plan <laughs> or sleep or be in a pram or be in a car seat. And I really, really struggled um, with that. It was just not what I expected. I developed postnatal anxiety. I found that the people around me, I got some great support from some people. I got some not great support from other people. Um, I was just in shock, I think. Um, and it really made me realise that it, it just it was so, so hard. At that point, I hadn't even heard about the different cultural practices around the fourth trimester um, for women in different cultures. All I'd heard of was the fourth trimester for babies. Um, and I remember around four months postpartum, I read the first 40 days, um, mainly because I had friends who were getting pregnant. I love to cook. I love to bring food for people. And I saw it somewhere and I was like, oh, that's great. I'm going to get that just to get some recipe ideas. And when I was reading all about the different cultural practices around the world and how people are really, women are really looked after deeply and fundamentally in that, that first sort of six weeks after birth, I felt ripped off and I felt ripped off on behalf of all the other women in this culture. I just was like, we're getting absolutely rorted. And I know that we've, you know, I knew from my own experience of anxiety, postpartum anxiety and depression, you know, it's one in six. It's crazy. And I, I really think that a big part of that is because of the lack of support. Um, so reading that book and there was a section on postpartum doulas made me kind of have this aha moment of maybe this is something that I could do because I was starting to get a bit disillusioned with journalism. Um, and I thought that I wanted to have a change and I never want to give up writing, but I just felt like I wanted to do something that helped people. So, um, I found your course just through Googling, I was like, right, I'm going to find out how I do this postpartum doula thing. Found your course, thought about it for a long time, talked to my husband, you know, it was ums and ahs and do I do this, do I not do this? In the meantime, I was just cooking for friends a lot and taking food around to them because I'm, I think I've always been a feeder. I love having people around to feed them. I love dropping food off to people who, you know, maybe aren't well or come out of hospital or had a baby. And I just felt like it was this amazing kind of dovetailing of two things I love, which is food and cooking for people and also being passionate about this idea of having a fourth trimester that is nourishing and nurturing. So yeah, that's where it really came from um, for me. And it took me, you know, a good year at least, or maybe even 18 months from reading, reading the first 40 days and actually leaving my work, maybe it was even more closer to two years now that I think about it. No, about 18 months. Um, leaving my, my journalism job at a, you know, good stable income to take a leap and um, try and do something totally new. So I don't have a business background. I don't have an entrepreneurial background, but um, I've been fortunate enough in my career to interview a lot of people who have. So I was like, right, <laughs> I'm just going to pick all their brains and <laughs> just try and do it. So, yeah. That's yeah, I love it. I also, you know, what really strikes me about that story, the fact that you can work for women's magazines for, did you say 10 years? Yeah. 
and not be introduced to any of these concepts. It shows you what a gap it is in, in feminism and, and sort of mainstream literature for, for women, even prior to motherhood. You know, I know they're not magazines for mums, but this is something we should be preparing women and men for from day one. I 100% agree. I think it's part of the problem of not seeing women as whole people and, mm. and having, you know, a parenting magazine for when you're a mum. Well, you don't read that until you're pregnant, maybe, or afterwards. Um, I think things are changing with Instagram, I think, and Facebook and that sharing of, um, you know, real stories, which is probably why magazines are going down the gurgler because it's kind of, you know, not, it's, it, people aren't seeing their reality reflected in it so much. But yeah, I mean, I knew, I knew so much. The thing that I am grateful for is because I worked as a wellness editor at Marie Claire and the deputy editor at Women's Health, I had a really strong understanding of um, nutrition and how food can be medicine. So that's what I really brought, you know, as well as writing skills and stuff, that's what I got an appreciation of, which allowed me to kind of bring that over into the work that I'm doing now. Yeah, which was the other thing that really striked me. I love that you say that you love feeding people and I am definitely one of those people too. I, I can always cook more um, food and I can always stretch a meal to fill as many people who turn up at my table. I'm always giving leftovers to friends and neighbours and, um, you know, it's just what I do. It's part of who I am. But not everyone's like that. Um, but I'm sure that anyone who's interested in postpartum work can find some way of um, bringing their own passions, their own experience, their own skills um, to find their own unique, unique way of, of caring for mothers and, and making a difference. So I really love that you pulled all that together. You know, it looks like from the outside that your business just boomed. I think you launched about four months ago and you had clients um, almost immediately and steadily ever since. Um, but maybe you can tell us a little bit behind the scenes um, how that felt and what was actually going on. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, like I said, it, took, it was a long time in the making um, and I, I spent a lot of time working on the business before I launched it. I also have been lucky enough to have people with great skill sets around me. My husband's a video editor, so he's been able to help me. He's like my sound guy, I call him. He's been able to help me like put a video together and um, I've got a podcast as well, Tales from Fourth Trimester, and he's been able to do that for me. I've had friends who are graphic designers help me. So um, it certainly wasn't just me doing it. Um, and yeah, I, I was so nervous. I mean, I was just so, so nervous to take that leap, but I knew that I had to. Um, I spent, yeah, basically a year psyching myself up to do it. And I was lucky enough to have support from the start from people actually ordering my food. I mean, a lot of it was friends buying food for their, for friends as care packages um, and signing up for in-home support. Like I, I'm lucky enough to have clients now up until almost the end of the year, but behind the scenes, there's like at least one day a week where I feel like, well, I feel every day that I'm a fraud, but there's one day a week where I go into like the depths of despair of this isn't working. It's never going to take off. I'm never going to make enough money. We can't afford the things that we used to afford when we were on, you know, two good incomes. Like it's still at that point where someone actually said to me the other day, it's like having a newborn. Like I'm in the newborn stage, stage of business where it needs feeding a lot. So there's a lot of, you know, mm. outgoings. There's a lot of, you know, even just things like that you don't think about, like, 
um, how much it costs to print stickers and labels for, um, you know, mm. bags of lactation cookies. And I'm trying to do everything really sustainably. So um, I'm doing like compostable mailer bags. I'm doing glass bottles over plastic. All of that stuff costs more, um, but it's something that I'm really determined to do and which is why I have a bit of a higher price point. But, um, yeah, I mean, there is, there's so many occasions where I'm calling friends, like I've got a friend who um, is an artist and an entrepreneur and, you know, I'm always calling her and being like, what, what is got like, no one, no one's interested. No one's responding to that. No, I got 20 likes on that photo on Instagram. It's not resonating. You know, it's, it's, it's an absolute roller coaster of emotions. Mm. To be this entrepreneurial thing. It's definitely started mm. to even out a little bit now. Um, but yeah, it's still there for sure. And I think all that happens really as you get more experienced is you kind of go, oh, yeah, here we are again. Hello, old friend. You know, I remember this feeling. So you don't ride the wave so much, but that doesn't mean they aren't there. And particularly with things like social media, it's so fickle. I mean, you can share one article on one day and it'll get, you know, read and commented and shared a thousand times. If you share it a few weeks later, it just, you know, just doesn't pick up. And that's not the quality of you or your work or the article or anything. It just is sometimes a bit random. So it's important yeah. we don't kind of get too down or even too up about these things. Yeah. Just, I mean, keep, that's the just other keep putting the work in. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to continue to put things out there and trust that it, it's, everything is unfolding as it should. Um, and I think one of the big things that I've learned over these last four months is that there's usually a reason when things go a bit slower, a bit quiet, and it's usually because I need to have a rest. Like I, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the universe. I don't know what, you know, what it is, but whenever it's a quiet time, I'm like, this is because I really needed that downtime. So I, I try to remember that too. Yeah, I find exactly the same thing. Sometimes I'm like, why aren't I getting any clients? And then August rolls around and one of the kids gets sick and mm. something else happens to the nanny and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, this is why I couldn't have any clients in August, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was all just the universe looking after me. So often we don't really know how these things work. But, you know, like we say, you just keep feeding the, feeding the business and, and, and keep, keep your eye, I guess, on the bigger mission. You know, you and I are obviously very passionate about our work and, and caring for mums. Um, yeah, so that, that can kind of keep us going in a more long-term and, and sustainable way. Loving this podcast? Check out our books at newbornmothers.com. Nourishing Newborn Mothers is a recipe book to nourish your mind, body and soul after childbirth. And my second book, Newborn Mothers, was a bestseller. I know, I can't believe it either. It's about baby brain, village building and how to find happiness in 21st century parenting. You can get the first chapter free of both books at newbornmothers.com slash books. Now, I had lots of other things I wanted to ask you about and one of them was, you know, you, here we are talking about how you don't feel like you're a success, but you are very successful. And if anyone wants to go and have a look at your website, they will see. Um, and you're, all, you're already almost from the beginning getting, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but five, doing five meal deliveries a week. And yeah, I mean, it's, sometimes it's nine, sometimes it's two, but on average, like this week I've got seven. So um, I do like a full meal package which is a week's worth of postpartum power foods I call it so the idea is that you do it as an add-on to your you know you instead of having a piece of Vegemite on toast 
you might be having a piece of toast with organic chicken liver pate, sauerkraut and a cup of bone broth on the side and that immediately amps up your nutrient intake to a point where you know, it's it's and it's easy you don't have to cook anything i everything is just you know you might have to reheat something that's as complicated as it gets so um yeah i've got meal packages and people often like to customize that so like this week i've got people who are like okay i'm gonna get the um calming cacao drink the chicken broth uh lactation cookie and the red date and goji berry infusion so it's a bit of a mix and match situation or you can just buy the full package yeah, I love it. I love it. So, you know, so to my mind, and I'm sure all of the other listeners were all going, how could she say she's not successful? That's completely amazing and, and mind-blowing. Um, and even there'd be a lot of people thinking, like, I can't even imagine this ever happening for me, you know, like people who are in their day jobs going, it's not possible. But what do you think you've done, um, you know, in all that preparation time? What do you think you did so that when you did launch, you, you could kind of hit the ground running? Mm. Um, I spent a lot of time, well, first of all, I looked at what people were doing who I thought were resonating with people and being successful. Um, and a lot of that, because I feel like social media is a big driver these days of, um, sales. Um, so I looked at a lot of what people were doing and I really noticed that they had usually had strong personal brands. And we're really good at sharing. Um, unfortunately, I am an oversharer. So I was like, right, okay, I've got to think really hard about who I want to appeal to. Like who's my dream client is? What do they what do they wear? What do they eat? What shops do they buy their clothes at and buy their latte at? How much will they pay for uh, calming cacao? And looking at sort of not even competitors, but people in that places and people and brands that my ideal person would buy from and what sort of price points were they. Um, so I spent a lot of time thinking about how that would, uh, how I could appeal to those people. Um, I read a great book called This Is Marketing by Seth Godin, which I highly recommend if anyone wants to do any kind of business. And, and his, all, of, all of his books. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read the others, but I just... Oh, everything he does is mind-blowing. Even just his blog here. He's such a, yeah, right. such a unique mind, yeah. Well, he, say, he says this thing, which I thought it's, it's stuck with me. The idea behind every purchasing decision that you make, whether it's like a Prius or a pimped-out four-wheel drive or whatever, the idea is people like us do things like this. And, I, and it's... I don't. I can't articulate it as well as he does, but it's about showing those people that you are you are part of their world. You are part of their. You are like them essentially. So for me, it's not about changing who I am because I I haven't. But it's about signalling, um, you know, through my logo, colours, fonts. Like I'm so. I'm so passionate about fonts. I oh, me too. <laughs> if I go to a restaurant where it's a bad font, I you ask my husband, I'm like, no, we're not going. Oh, so <laughs> many restaurants have bad fonts though. That, that restaurants are notorious for bad fonts. <laughs> and I just can't, I can't, it's because it's like us, don't, don't go to places with fonts like that. So, yeah. you know, all of those things, I think I've, I've thought a lot, maybe overthought a lot about, um, I did a lot of research into, you know, being as well as doing your course, you know, I was reading a lot about um, 
postpartum practices around the world and getting inspired by that. Um, I think um, I also noticed that Instagram stories do really well for me mm-hmm. and have from the beginning. Um, and I'm always getting people telling me how they enjoy that. Mm-hmm. So um, probably because I overshare and it's funny, my husband's so not an oversharer. And so he's always, at first he was a bit like, oh, and I'm like, I'm sorry. You just like, I still have boundaries, but I'm, I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I wish I could tell you what the, the secret, but I don't feel like I've done anything particularly like I've worked hard, but I haven't done anything that's rocket science or that someone else couldn't do. No, and I think maybe the secret is just uh, sustained action. You've been, you know, you just get up every day and do one more step. Honestly, that was my thing last year when I was still working. So I was working four days a week. I have a three-year-old and I knew that I wouldn't be able to launch this overnight. So my motto was chip away. Mm -hmm. And so I would try. It wasn't every day. It was probably once a week. I'd be like, okay, do that one thing. Register that trading name. Um, you know, mm-hmm. talk about to the graphic designer about that label. So it felt like there was momentum, even though things were happening pretty slowly, there was momentum and I had a deadline. I also, that was a big thing for me. I knew that I was leaving my job in December and then mm-hmm. my yoga teacher who's become a friend, she was ha- she got pregnant with her third child and she said to me, I want you to look after me. He's due on Boxing Day. And so I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to get everything. To-. And I was still doing your training at that point. I hadn't even finished it. So I was like, right. <laughs> and I think, you know, for me, I work well to deadlines. So that helped. Yeah, I'm the same too. I, I definitely need deadlines or I wouldn't get much done. The other thing that really strikes me about what you're saying, though, is that really understanding your target um, audience really getting into their shoes and understanding how they're feeling and what they're looking for. Um, and you know, when I started out in business, there wasn't much social media at all. You know, Instagram didn't even exist. Facebook was a baby. There were no ads or, or even business pages or anything. And, um, and what we were taught to do way, way back then was to look at magazine covers because magazines do so much research on the colors, the headlines, you know, the layout, the, the fonts, you know, all of those things that used to be like the gold standard of how you get your data on, on your audience. Um, but now that's freely available on, on social media. You can see exactly which blog post, which headline, which photo, you know, all of that stuff is so, it's so easy now to find out what is it that people are, are looking for. Um, and I think something you've mentioned as well, maybe we can talk about it now is that you sell them what they want and you give them what they need. So, you know, maybe talk a little bit about food as a kind of entryway to a bigger conversation about postpartum. Yeah. So that is something that I think pretty early on, I mean, I always knew I wanted to do something in food for many years. I've wanted to do something in food, but haven't known what it was. And when I came across the idea of a postpartum doula and in the, and the, and the food aspect of it, I sort of had a, you know, I talked to my husband, I was like, do you think people are going to get what a postpartum doula does and will they pay for it? You know, that I think it's, well, I'm hoping that in a few years time it becomes kind of normal. 
Um, it's still something, you know, I tell people I'm a postpartum doula and they kind of go, what? Or they assume I'm a birth doula. Um, I just felt like I needed to find a way into it that people could get. And people get food. Like we already have a culture of um, food delivery and convenience. And we have a culture that understands that after birth and in general, whether you want to have good nutrition. So we know the importance of good food. We know the, the concept of food as medicine. All the women's magazines and everywhere you look, it's like eat your fatty fish for your omega-3s. Like we're very kind of, that's just part of the, the vocab now. So for me, I was like, right, if I can tap into that idea that people already know about, that food can be functional, and then use that to talk about how you need to nourish and nurture yourself in the postpartum period. So both through what you're putting into your body, but also how you're treating your mind and all, all the things around that. I think food is kind of, people get it. And, and culturally, it's kind of normal now to bring food to someone's home when they've had a baby, drop off a lasagna, those kind of things. So I'm really not changing that. I'm just tweaking it to say, yeah, cool, that's beautiful and the sentiment is wonderful. How about you think about the types of food that are really good for postpartum women? So, you know, your lasagna, delicious. I had lasagnas in my postpartum, great. But you could be giving them, whether you cook it yourself or you're getting it delivered, something that is has really targeted ingredients for their recovery and their milk supply and all of those things, and it's still really good. So, yeah, I think that that's kind of a um, easily translatable way of getting into the concept of postpartum care. And um, from there I can kind of talk about the need for psychological support, moral support, um, practical support, all of those things. I mean, people get it. Like when I say to, when you say to anyone, oh, I might just hold the baby while you sleep. If someone's had a baby, they know that that is worth its weight in gold. Like when you're sleep deprived, if someone comes and feeds you and lets you rest and have a shower, maybe even gives you a massage, like they, they get it. If, if you haven't had a baby, maybe you don't get it as much unless you have done a lot of reading or had friends or all of, the, all of that. So I'm still working out how to get that message across. But, yeah, food is a, is a pretty good way in. I love that. I love that so much. Now, um, I don't think I've got anything else I want to ask you, but let me know if there's anything else you want to share. Otherwise, we can just jump into letting people know a little bit more about how they can actually uh, try some of your delicious food. Yeah, sure. Um, no, I don't think other than to say thank you to you for the great training. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for you know teaching me how it's done it's still something that I feel like I'm every person that I look after and every family that I meet whether it's just dropping off food or whatever I still feel like I'm, I'm learning things but um, you know that gave me the confidence to go for it because I I knew that I could probably do it without the training, but I didn't have that confidence and felt like I had that credibility and knowledge base. So I, I really needed that. And then, and so, yeah, thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I think a lot of it is just having a community of like-minded women too, isn't it? To, yeah, to be definitely. able to, 
yeah share with and ask questions so no yeah. we're very happy to have you in our in our community and if anyone's looking for you it's cocoonbynaomi.com um we'll put the details in the show notes and um you're based in sydney yep that's right. Do you deliver all over Sydney? I deliver within a f 15 kilometres of the Sydney CBD, which covers a big chunk of Sydney. And if you're a little bit outside of it, just contact me and I'll see what I can do. I mm. also um, post my lactation cookies all around the country. I'm also coming out with a breastfeeding tea. I'm not sure when this will come out, when the episode will come out, but hopefully by the time it does, um, my tea will be on the market. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing a tea and cookie bundle, which I think will be a beautiful gift for, you know, friends who might live in a different city and who you just want to send some love to. I love it. That is such a beautiful idea. Thank you so much for sharing and definitely go and check out um, Cocoon by Naomi and there's, you'll see her gorgeous branding and a beautiful video um, and you'll see why she's um, really, her work's really taken off. <laughs> Thanks so much, Laura. Thank you. Bye, Naomi. Bye. Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high-quality postpartum care. If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.